0: Feasibility, practicality, scalability—the three words to live by. How often have you had an idea, but not known how to proceed? In today's episode, we talk about the how, the how of starting up. Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm Jivraj Singh Sachar, your host, and today we are going to talk about how should you start a startup. We often have startup ideas that we are unable to materialize because we are simply unaware of what needs to be done next. Not anymore. Today, I speak with the man behind the revolution of college events. The man who democratized the way we look at management events, bringing together a community like no other. I'm talking about Dare to Compete, the largest student community of India which gets 10,000-plus universities and colleges on the platform with a whooping 1 million active user registration base. The man behind the curtain is the revolutionary Mr. Ankit Agarwal. Ankit saw the need to democratize college events and bring them under one banner as a problem he himself faced during business school. What started off as a blog has now become the largest accumulation of students and events from across India. Ankit has created tremendous impact in the student space, he is extremely passionate about finding solutions and has phenomenally created a product that millions of students benefit from. A very articulate gentleman, Ankit passionately speaks at multiple keynote events, has won multiple awards and keeps an extremely humble profile. Today, he answers the how for us. This episode is brought to you in association with Institute Innovation Council, main Salt Lake. Without further ado, I would like to invite Mr. Ankit Agarwal to join me on this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Ankit.
1: Thank you, Jivraj, for
0: inviting me. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. Before we dive right into the contents of the episode in and of itself, I would like to know your opinion on the Indian Silicon Valley as we know it and the scope for young budding entrepreneurs in the ecosystem.
1: India might be the next supercar. I I mean, it's just a time of question, very frankly for me, with such a huge population such a huge penetration that still needs to exist both i mean not not both from from every industry i mean whether you take edtech whether you take e-commerce whether retailing any industry you take because india is such such huge market anything that you get into you might be able to find your way and and uh, find your uh, right amount of business it's just that whether you can do it nicely or not, whether you can uh, attack the the problems in a in a in a better solution oriented manner or not, whether you understand your customers or not, whether you understand all the stakeholders or not. So all those things once once you understand them, once you tackle those problems, I I think India is best poised uh, for any any person to actually launch his or her startup because there is vast uh, set of opportunities available.
0: Great. I think you've raised a lot lot of fundamental options out there. And from there stems a very important question, which has been put up onto the forum a lot, but hasn't been clearly answered as much. So there is often this debate about the dropping out mindset that you should start as early as possible and maybe drop out, out of college and not complete education and go into market directly but coming from somebody who has experienced a lot in the corporate sector and has completed formal education, what do you think should be the ideal way for an entrepreneur to actually start?
1: I think I'll divide this into two different segments. Okay. One is start as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, And the other is whether dropping out of your education or even... uh, uh, I would say getting your graduation degree, does it make sense for you or not, okay? Uh, Starting as soon as possible, I completely agree with this, okay? Once you have an idea, once you know how you have uh, uh, ensured that the idea is feasible, practical, and scalable, if you have actually evaluated all those things, if you know that you can do it, you should directly jump on, Okay. You should start with the business, you should start evaluating stuff. And many a times what happens is that the market may not be as mature at that point in time if if you are looking out for a latent need. So essentially what I say is that either you identify a problem and then you work towards a solution, right? Or you identify a latent need which becomes a problem later on when they are... uh, I would say uh, when they are uh, used to your solution, because then they will say that hey, this was a problem. Right now, it's not a problem because everything work is going fine, correct? So uh, I would say start as soon as possible. Uh, however, the second part is that you definitely need education. I'm I'm not saying that you should drop out. Definitely, no dropping out. You need to ensure how you manage it. How you manage your education along with your business. If, you, if, if required, work along, do part-time. I mean, I started off, so I had the passion about starting off something new. And when I was starting off, there to compete, I was actually doing it parallelly with my MBA school. It was like a block, right? But I didn't opt out of my MBA, correct? Uh, so, opting out is not a solution as such. It may give you some more, uh, and I mean, uh, vantage points or analysis points that are very, very critical for you to running a business. You need to figure out how you manage it alongside your education. So, yes to uh, start as soon as possible, but no to dropping out from side
0: Great. That perfectly sums up the situation and it gives a good cue to the budding entrepreneurs out there. Following this is an important question where we try to understand how important it is to actually have experience in the market before you launch your main product. In your case, when you started off Get Admissions and then moved on to Dare Compete, how important was your episode with Get Admissions to actually make you prepared? for your eventual launch and making it big with DEC to compete?
1: I mean, see, uh, you, you cannot replace anything with experience. Okay? Uh, a person who has an experience in an industry or while working on a startup or while working on XYZ, you cannot cannot replace it. Okay? That's one. The second aspect is that while you work or while you gain your experience, there are numerous things that you tend to experience which some might be intangible, some might be tangibles. Okay. I'll give you one example. So in Getter missions, I mean, we were informed that, hey, you can't crack uh, government institutions, at least not that easily, not even a meeting. right? Uh, we, uh, along with my partner, what we what we did was that we directly went on to Delhi University's uh, dean's office. Trust me, I mean we were twenty three, twenty four, I guess, yeah, right, standing in front of Delhi University dean's office, and we were we were informed that you can try it out, but you won't get that meeting. We went to the reception. You you know how the office of a government would look like, right? I mean. So we went, we, we, we spoke to I think the secretary or so, and then within two hours, we were talking to the dean. Though it was only 10 minutes, but we were actually talking to the dean, right? We were talking in terms of, and that that was the time when they were also thinking of going online for their registration payments and the whole application process. Okay. And they were very, very open to the whole idea. And that, that's how, I mean, after that, we had about a couple of more meetings with the Dean and the Vice Chancellor and all. And we didn't face any problem. In fact, within a matter of 14 days or so, we would have had about three such meetings. Okay, the same thing happened with JNU as well, Jawaharlal Nehru University. Okay, the day we went there, we actually got a chance to sort of meet, I think there it was uh, a vice chancellor or the person who was looking into the whole admission thing. Okay, I mean, you can call it luck. Okay, but this also gives you an understanding that, hey, what people might be saying, you still need to go ahead and try. Okay, so that, that's one learning. Okay, that's an intangible with that experience. It has nothing to do with my get admission business or my dare to compete business from the business standpoint, because both of them are very, very different, right? But from the execution point of view, that's a learning that you get. Okay, and similarly, there have been many such learnings, right? right? So definitely, I mean, the, the learnings that you get as a manager, as a person who's running a, a startup. Uh, you basically take those learnings forward in your uh, uh, other, uh, maybe the companies that you're working with or the startups that you're going. So definitely, uh, uh, the workex adds. Okay. Now coming to the third part, when we say that the workex is beneficial, it doesn't mean that a person needs to have a workex of anything to get into something, right? Uh, I mean because I mean you will have to start from point a no matter what i mean if you don't have a work experience straight off of college you actually need to start whatever it is correct you may gain experience and the other way to go about is talk to the people who have actually done that they might give you certain insights and in, in this digital age i mean we, we are doing a podcast there are others who are doing podcast videos or so i would say that just go through all of them. You will have certain insights from all these videos, podcasts, which will ensure that you you learn from their mistakes and you don't repeat them. The one thing that we do very uh, nicely is that in any of the interviews, you'll get to know as to what worked. Okay, Try and see those interviews, for those podcasts, wherein people also tell about what didn't work. What were their learnings from it? I, I personally... Uh, I have a resume of deviations wherein I have noted down as to in terms of in my life which were the points which uh, I mean where I I stood and I was taking a call uh, A versus B and I think right now that hey I took a call of A but B might have been better. I don't know whether it would have been but it retrospectively right so so those are the things that you should uh, sort of do, uh, do. So yes, I mean, it's, it's better to have work ex, it's better to have the experience, but nonetheless, you need to start.
0: I think that beautifully frames the entire problem statement where you've spoken about experience being not replaceable and working on deviations and making use of the resources we have around us. So thank you for that insight. Now we shall move on to something more crucial and what the episode mainly focuses on the how to start up. And the first fundamental question is that a lot of people have ideas, but they all say that execution is key. So once you have an idea as an entrepreneur, what should be the next best step according to you?
1: The the next best step is evaluating whether it's feasible. So when when I say whether it is feasible, whether it is feasible, practical and scalable. All three. Okay. Right. Uh, Let me let me dive into these aspects a bit. So when I say that you need to first identify that, I mean you have an idea, which means that you have a problem and you have a solution to it. Right. First of all, identify all the stakeholders involved, the whole ecosystem. Okay so uh, if you're working on an education website students might be one of the stakeholders colleges might be the other stakeholder parents might be the other stakeholders right then you need to identify the characteristics of each and every stakeholder okay so let's say in edtech right till date the end user is students right but an important stakeholder is their parents because the parents will be paying not students yeah so, so you need to identify as to where the money will be coming from, which stakeholder need to be tackled, in, in which manner. And that is very, very important for the idea to move forward. Right? The second is the whole business model, where the money will flow from. Right? Is there a, uh, I would say, inventory-led model or non-inventory-led model? Or uh, do you need working capital? All those things, just to just to ensure that you know as to when you're getting into, how much money would you require to start even the prototyping or even getting into, let's say, different aspects of the business, right? And the third important thing will be that how scalable it is. I mean, how, how bigger can you do? Because at this point in time, when you're thinking of an idea, you might only be thinking of two or three use cases, which is okay. But just when, when you talk to those stakeholders, all of them, right? Uh, you will realize that uh, there might be multiple other use cases which might get attached to the, the solution. Okay? Or there might be certain pivots that you may have to do just to ensure that you're creating value to your stakeholders. So I think from the idea perspective, you need to check feasibility, pra- practical ability of the idea and scalability just to ensure it makes perfect business sense
0: incredible i think those three components are absolutely the pillars of starting up but another question that stems up which is following this is the practicality which is has to be tested through prototyping or the pilot run but they also say that too much planning can also be procrastination so how does one balance between this phase of doing a lot of research Versus actually testing the product in the market and stepping out, what is your take upon that
1: i I, I would say what happens is when you're saying too much planning okay uh, no I mean no amount of planning is too much very frankly once you get down run a pilot do prototyping only then you will realize whether it is hitting the right notes or not right. Uh, I think where where you're coming from when you're asking that too much planning, I, I would want to take a step ahead and say that many a times people are afraid of failing. And that's why they want to get everything right and that's why they plan a lot. However, any startup who, who any startup that is a unicorn today or any startup that is doing reasonably well, maybe may not be a uni, unicorn, but at their level, doing reason, reasonably well they would have pivoted multiple times. They would have failed multiple times. The faster you fail, the, the the stronger you get and the stronger your business model gets. So yes, you need to plan. But at the same point in time, you need to get up and running, prototyping, pilot running. Everything needs to happen simultaneously. There are certain aspects. Identify your stakeholders, how you're doing it. Talk to them and then just, just roll. I mean, you don't have to do too much planning. Don't wait for the funding to happen, right? The funding might be. I mean, you may not need funding. I mean, if you you might be able to bootstrap it, right. right? There have been many many such cases. Once one such case, uh, I mean, you would be reading in uh, in newspapers now, right? Zero da, if I'm not. Zero right. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, You're yeah. reading ten years. So, I right. I mean, eight thirty crores in yeah. revenues. Right, without even one single rupee of funding. Right. right? So I I I, I think uh, not too much of a planning. Just be open to failing. Right. That that, that, that should hit. hit it. Yeah.
0: Open to failing, definitely, and that's the way to go. So post that the feedback loop is something that again, these are terms that are used in fancy startup meetings and in stakeholder meetings, but are sometimes not very well understood by founders who have a lot of resistance to their idea. Some people just tend to believe that their idea is strong enough and they don't have to rely upon the consumer's opinion. But how important do you think is understanding the consumer's opinion and listening to each bit of it till the very end of the startup. So
1: I, I, would, I would say, see, a founding team or the founders always need to be positive and hopeful. Okay. When they need to be positive and hopeful, what happens is that they always think that and once they have an early success, okay. They always think that you're getting everything right. Now, a feedback loop, what it does is it, it ensures that you're making the right pivots or small changes in your business model, which is uh, adding value to all your stakeholders. Again, coming back to the whole circle, right? So, we started with stakeholders identifying we then ran a pilot we ensure that whether we are checking that feasibility practicality and scalability or so then we went into this uh, market we launched correct now when we have launched we have started getting some sort of revenue because of those one or two use cases right now with the feedback loop we are we now we are coming to an understanding that hey those two use cases one is absolutely working fine but the second one needs to be adjusted so that it gets into the third use case, which is completely new, but it is basically a notch higher than use case two. So then use case two needs to stop. And then the use case three needs to move up. And then again, you go back to the stakeholders to figure out and the whole cycle repeats only for that particular use case. So I would say that the feedback loop, I have not, very frankly, I have not seen any uh, a successful company uh, scaling up or running without this feedback loop okay. from the stakeholders all of it i mean name name any any amazon flipkart uber ola they have been they have been running only on the feedback loop what what their customers told tell us right the, the cash on delivery that is a feedback loop when when the people who are not doing online transactions when when um, for flipkart founders when customers told them that, hey, can we pay on the door? That's how, that's how these, these options come in. So definitely you need to understand your consumer, which is your starting point and listen to them and make changes as and needed.
0: Great, great. That's completely again. So the insight upon the hearing side of the customer is extremely important and that's why every entrepreneur should keep that in mind. Thank you for that, sir. Moving on to something more fundamental again. In terms of the first team that you hire and expand to more than the co-founders of the company, how important is it to ensure that your first hire is extremely well done and the due diligence for that in terms of company culture is set right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's extremely important, not for the first hire, I would say. I mean, the first founding team itself. And in any, any division that I I would say that the founding team, the first four or five guys, then every uh, segment you get into, let's say now you want a dedicated marketing team. Now you want a dedicated sales team. Now you want a dedicated customer team, right? So the first hire in each of your new teams, it may happen at the start. It may happen after a, a year or so they need to be really, really, really hand-picked. Only because what happens is the culture of any organization, and for that matter, MNCs, not, not startups, MNCs as well, right? It always drills down top to bottom. It's not bottom to top. It's top to bottom. Correct? So, so every person in your founding team, one, from the founder point of view, from my point of view, I need a passionate person, dedicated person, hardworking person, but more importantly the person who can take certain risks and own things. If the things are not working well, they should come to me and say that, Hey Ankit, I I don't think this is uh, working well, let's pivot." Okay. And the fifth thing is that they should be able to own and deliver stuff. Okay. I should be able to trust them blindly i should not be sitting on top of their head because then i'm creating those bottlenecks i'm i'm i I'm, I'm myself will be a bottleneck so i need the first team whom i can trust and give ownership of separate tasks that they can do it without my even oversight and definitely the, they, they need to be passionate they need to be hardworking, and they need to be a dedicated resource So all those three will be common but the the trust and the ownership for me stands tall in uh, the founding team as well as the first person you, you recruit for any new team that you're building because that person will actually recruit others under him or her.
0: Absolutely. Wonderful. So moving on to something a bit more advanced. Once your startup has started to scale and you have a certain sense of value the how to fund that side of things when should it ideally go for funding and what should be the use case for funding at a very elementary level because people tend to believe that funding should be used for profitability whereas some others believe that funding should be used for creating more value or expansion per se so what would be your opinion in those terms
1: i think it is Funding is not for profitability. I, I don't think that's the answer. Eventually, that's the goal. Okay. Right. However, raising funding to ensure that now you become profitable, I'm not sure if that's the right approach. But yes, uh, funding is for scalability, for expansion, for geographical expansion, to get into new products, to get, in, to get your uh, teams up, Because for every new vertical that you get into, or every new city or geography you get into, you need to have the base team. And if you're right now just stepping up, you would want those investors in investments to come in. So eventually, profitability, yes, but the immediate goal or a tactical thing for every funding is to ensure that you're moving forward for that scalability, expansion your uh, your team expansion, your uh, maybe sales, your branding, all of that. So funding is to take care of your running the business. Profitability will eventually come in if you're running it well.
0: Great. So question being poised in terms of from coming from somebody who's not raised funding but has done extremely well will actually give a balance of both of how to fund versus how to create the mindset to funding. Wonderful. Moving on to something again, if we had to summarize the entire how question, how important is it to actually understand these components before starting up? And do you feel raw starting up is more important than actually figuring out all of these components and a person automatically figures them out along the way? Or do you think a mental mind map of all of these things should be ready before one starts up?
1: I think it flows in the same manner of how the whole ecosystem runs. So you, you definitely need to start with the feasibility, uh, practical and scalability aspect just to ensure that you have the confidence that yes, this business will, will be a, a profitable business when we get into it. However, you, as, I, as I said, you don't have to keep planning you will learn through through the business when you get into those aspects of running the business you will learn you will make pivots you will fail you will grow you will succeed all of that will happen as you go along so only few elements are required before you jump in but all the other other elements i'm sure uh, the teams figure figure them out the sooner they figure out the better it is for them
0: Great. You can only connect the dots backwards, as Steve Jobs said. And I think that is the cue there as well. Um, moving on to something a bit less technical and qualitative in nature. If you were to summarize the best qualitative learnings as a entrepreneur for you personally, what would they be?
1: Two, definitely. One, uh, I as an, as a founder always need to be hopeful and positive. If I'm not hopeful and positive, I can't build that trust and motivate my team after every failure. Okay, And I also need to tell them that, hey, let's try that out. Because there will always be questions around the ability to scale up, the ability to run fast, ability to fail and then move up. Okay, so one is definitely every founding team needs to be always hopeful and always positive. The second major aspect is I think shit happens. Everybody knows about it. Okay, but how you tackle that thing, how you ensure that you're still motivating the team or for that matter yourself as well and how you stand up even after failing. I think, I think that defines you as a person. So you, you, can't, you can't be crying for days and days and just uh, blame on the other things, hey, the external environment, hey, this, that, what should we do? I think what has happened has already happened. You can't do anything about it, right? You just need to think through as to moving forward, how you, how you move forward, correcting those things and ensuring that the same thing doesn't happen again. And do, I mean, do whatever you want to, I mean, whether, uh, if, if you're, if you, if you're not in your mood, just go and listen to a song. If you love listening or go and run if you, if you love running, but you need to get on your toes in, in maybe a few minutes.
0: Right. Great. So shit happens and you have to still stay hopeful and positive as a startup founder. And that's the beauty of it, I guess. So coming to the concluding question now, if you had to advise the young entrepreneurs and, you know, look back at 10 years to your younger self, what would you tell yourself (laughs) and so tell the young entrepreneurs out there who aim to be a part of this great ecosystem?
1: I would say, I mean, considering all the questions or so, they were on when to start, how to start and all. Uh, My advice will be that they decide how to go about things. I mean, whether to maybe drop out, which I don't believe, or whether to run it simultaneously, whether to maybe leave your job and then run it. Decide whatever you want to do. My thing is that decide today. Don't take days and days to decide at least that as to when you should start. And when I say start, the starting point is checking the feasibility of your idea. It's not that you will just sit around and think through the ideas. You need to get, get going, right? You need to start as soon as possible and start today as if there is no tomorrow. Decide whether to uh, sprint or uh, run a marathon, okay?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but do it today.
0: Right. Great. I think this has been an absolute pleasure. The insights have been wonderful and very, very full of wisdom and I think there could have been no better person to explain the how of starting up. Thank you so much, Mr. Ankit, for joining me for this episode and it has been an absolute pleasure and honor.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It has
0: been a pleasure. So that was Ankit Agarwal of Dare to Compete for all of you. Answering the how of starting up. He mentioned some extremely crucial pointers about the how. He talks about the three-step approach. 1. Feasibility. Identify your stakeholders, talk to them and understand how feasible the idea is. 2. Practicality. The entire business model needs to be figured out. 3. Scalability. Creating value via the multiple available use cases for the idea. Ankit also talks about the importance of education and experience. He accepts that no matter what the background, you have to start up from scratch. But he also claims that with education and experience, you're equipped with greater tools required for success. Ankit interestingly mentions about his resume of deviations, which is one tool everyone can definitely take away from this episode. Ankit also talks about the acceptance of failure and the importance of the feedback loop. As he puts it, The faster you fail, the faster you learn, and the better it is. And remember to never think that you are getting everything right, because you cannot. Thus, making the feedback loop extremely important also in helping making the tweaks and the slight pivots. He talks about funding, using funding for scale and not profitability. Also, as a founder, when looking for your team, seek passion hard work, dedication and moreover, the ability to take risks and the ownership to deliver. And remember, shit happens. But you've got to stay hopeful and positive. And at the end of it all, you'll figure it out. Remember, you decide what you want. But decide. Start today as if there is no tomorrow. That was it from episode 2 of the Indian Silicon Valley Podcast. I am Jivrat Singh Sachar, your host. If you have any questions, please reach out and I'd be happy to answer. I value feedback immensely, so feel free to contact me in regards to that as well. As a goodbye tradition, I am going to be ending each episode with one recommendation from this point onwards. For today's goodbye recommendation, I would like to suggest the YouTube channel, Slidebean. I absolutely love the content they generate, it's crisp and answers all elementary and advanced questions that you may have about startups. Thank you for tuning in, I really appreciate it. I will see you next week for another episode, till then, stay safe, stay kind, stay tuned.